0: Welcome back, everybody. It is 9.06. Now, let's just wait a couple of seconds. There we go, 9.07 in St. Louis. Dave Simon's with you tonight, certified financial planner. That's the day job, the one that uh, pays the bills and puts food on the table. But here I come downtown every once in a while to fill in the, uh, the anchor chair here in the KMOX studios for At Your Service and happy to do so. All right, so uh, are you feeling pretty good about everything after I left you before the break, talking about where I see things going in a couple of years? Yeah, you probably don't. I, I very well could be wrong, too. But this is not an issue. Our burgeoning debt that I ever bought into the fear-mongering that started back in the eighties and has been with us ever since that somehow our economy is about to fall off a cliff. We're not going to be able to pay the interest on our debt. We're going to become a banana Republic and our grandkids are going to be burdened with all this. It's just never happened. But I think we've reached the point now where even someone like me says, yeah, we are, we are now facing it. And the only way out of it is we're going to have to do some things that will crimp economic growth. Um, I wasn't planning on continuing in the second hour with this, but the more I thought about it, I thought, okay, I'm just going to talk about it a few more minutes to maybe rest some of your uh, anxiety over this. If what I say comes to fruition, that somehow it is not the end of your 401k or your retirement plans or even the country in general. No, not at all. And then I am going to change gears, I promise, after the next few minutes, we'll come back. And I want to talk about my love and admiration for all of you who served in the military. Stay with us. I've got a special little treat for you on that. I was on the radio earlier this week on Monday with Mark Reardon over on the ninety-seven-one talk side, And he wanted to talk about the this article in the Wall Street Journal late last week that talked about the so- so-called 60-40 allocation. That is a traditional allocation for a lot of investors to say, look, I just want to be moderate in my risk. I don't need to be 100% in the stock market, but I know that I just can't be in you know CDs, especially when they weren't paying anything. So I'm comfortable having, let's say, 60% in the stock market and 40% in the supposed safe stuff like bonds and cash and things like that. Okay, so there's your traditional allocation 60-40 on a scale of 1 to 10 with 1 being the most conservative, 10 being the most aggressive. 60-40 is kind of like a 5, 5.5, right in the middle. And the article that Mark wanted to talk to me about was basically saying the 60-40 allocation just simply has stopped working. And is it dead? There was kind of an inference there that maybe we needed to start rethinking our long-term investment strategy. And I pushed back on that and I said, no, it's not dead. We have to talk about why it hasn't worked. It's one thing for the stock market not to work. It's been that way for hundreds of years. We know that. Stocks are volatile. They go up and down. They do tend to trend to the upside over time, but we go through periods, of course, where where, where stocks are very volatile, and they do correct, and we do sometimes get some very vicious bear markets. You accept that going in. What you don't expect or even accept is the supposed safe part of your portfolio, bonds that get trashed. And that's why the 60-40 allocation hasn't worked. It's the 40 percent side, the side that has su- was supposed to give us some stability and has you know, over the, in fact, over the past 40 years, 40 years, up until this past year, the 60-40 allocation has been down only five times. Five times. So those years where stocks were down, bonds were up just enough to maybe give you a slight little increase for the year. Five out of 40. And yet all of a sudden, the last couple of years, it's just not worked that well. So is it dead? No. What has happened is you have been living through the worst period in the history of the bond market. And when I say history, I mean history. Researchers have gone all the way back to the early days of the Republic. Yes, even when George Washington himself was president, they've gone back. They meticulously looked at all these uh, ledgers of bond transactions. And I, I don't remember where these researchers were. Were they from Harvard? I, I don't recall. But they came up with what annual bond returns have been even before established markets gave us actual hard data, and they've determined that what we experienced last year in 2022 was the worst return for bonds in the history of our country. In fact, if the year ended today, we'd have the bond market in general, the broader bond market would, would post its third consecutive down year. So you're still getting your yield, all right? You're still clipping the coupons, but your principal has declined enough where the total return is negative. Now, that's not true for everybody. I If I can pat our team on the back, they've done a heck of a job in the bond portfolio because we've actually made money in our bond allocation by keeping yields or, or I'm sorry, maturity short and not really looking at govies or governments so much, but good quality, high grade corporates, uh, some floating rate bonds. So it's been possible to make a little bit money, but certainly not wowing anybody. I would tell you this, even if We go into low economic growth if the federal debt really does start to cause problems in a couple of years. And we have to increase taxes. We have to mess around with Social Security. And we've got to increase taxes there and make people work longer before they actually are eligible for benefits. And all these things go together just to pay interest in Social Security and Medicare. That's taking productive capital out of the economy just to service these things. You are going to have GDP or economic growth next to nothing. That's what I think there's a good chance we have to face here in a couple of years. But that doesn't mean we still can't make some money in the financial markets. It's just going to have to be short-term on the bond side and it's going to have to be high quality stuff. And I'm telling you, the traditional 60-40 allocation will still work. Maybe you have to adjust your expected returns, but I believe they'll still be positive over time. So folks, don't lose heart. This is a conversation that we are going to continue to have. Now, before I break and come back, I want to Set something up here and let you know that I'm doing a complete 180 off into an entirely different subject matter that I had planned to talk about tonight. And that is uh, the respect that I have for the men and women who serve in the military. And that's especially true when the world gets a little scarier. But ever since I've been young, I've been fascinated by this whole concept of the band of brothers. Really? I remember being a kid and watching these 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 war movies of like soldiers jumping on grenades to save their buddy. And I'm like, wow, who does that? That's always fascinated me. And then to see friends of mine coming out of high school and volunteering and making that part, uh, they made a career out of it. I have people in my own family. My nephew continues to serve this country. When we come back, I'm going to tell you a personal story that really strengthened, really strengthened my admiration for the military. And then I'm going to uh, uh, play a part of an interview that I had with two military veterans who saw action overseas. And I think you'll find it very compelling. Stay with us. KMOX, the 2023 large market radio station of the year, recognized by the Missouri Broadcasters Association. KMOX. We were built for this. Oh man, Band of Brothers here. If you have not seen that award-winning docu-series, you owe it to yourself to watch that thing. You know, the first part, I didn't realize until I just rewatched it a couple of weeks ago. Do you know, it's a 10-part series that came out in 01. Do you know that the first episode was released on September 10th of 01? Think about that for a second. Wow. Anyway, I just rewatched it. I think I, it was HBO Max. Is that where I saw it? Yeah, HBO Max. Um, so if you subscribe to it, please go watch that. So, my friends, it is uh, 919 here in St. Louis. Dave Simon's uh, at your service tonight. You know, of all the races that I've been involved in, from the small little local 5K up to the number of marathons I've done, triathlons, Ironman, all that, uh, one time, one time, I've actually cried during a race. Not out of pain, although I have felt like it. No, out, out of a pure emotion. It happened in 2010 when I ran in the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. And it was such a spectacle. It's put on by the Marines. And you actually have, during this race, Marines running the full 26.2 miles in full combat gear. Black boots, everything. Uh, There are memories from that race that are seared into my brain. One of them being a group of Marines, probably six to eight of them, and they had their drill sergeant with them, and they were you, you could hear them coming up behind you because of the, the, the drill sergeant, and he's barking out orders to these guys. And so at, after each mile, they would drop and do 10 push-ups in a marathon, 26 times. Now, I stayed with them off and on because, you know, they were younger and better fit than I was. Um, so they would slowly get ahead of me. And then when they would drop and do 10, then I would kind of pass them and we'd pass each other. Finally, in the latter part of the race, I did break out uh, ahead of them and stay ahead because I wasn't doing basically what amounted to 260 pushups during a marathon. But that's not what gave me the emotions. There is it at some point during the race. I still remember the road that we're running on. I just don't remember where it was or what mile marker, but I still remember this this particular road. And I saw in front of me it, uh, it was a marine dressed out in, in in his fatigues and he's running black boots all that stuff and he's pushing something. And as I got closer, I realized oh, wow, he's pushing a wheelchair. It's like he's pushing somebody in a wheelchair. That's crazy. Um, And so I'm, I'm getting a little closer, a little closer, and then the most bizarre thing starts to settle in of what I'm witnessing. The Marine who's running has only one arm. He's pushing a wheelchair with one arm. But in that good arm, he's actually got something under his armpit. So he's like, he's not only pushing a wheelchair with his one arm, but he's also carrying something that he's got lodged up against his armpit like this... what is that? A stick? I don't even know what that is, and I'm running up, and then I realize, oh my gosh, that that's a prosthetic leg. The dude is pushing a wheelchair with one arm and he's got a prosthetic leg that he's got nudged up inside of his armpit. Oh, it gets better. As I get right up next to these this guy, he's pushing a fellow marine who has one leg. His buddy is pushing him carrying his prosthetic leg. Oh, there's even more. The guy in the wheelchair is carrying his buddy's prosthetic arm. I kid you not, this happened. And it took my breath away. You know, you're, well, the marathon does that in and of itself, but this sight, and then all of a sudden, it's the Band of Brothers, man. This is it, right playing out in front of me in real time during a marathon. This is what these guys do. They're carrying each other's prosthetic limbs. And so I'm just in awe as I'm running and I, and I'm thinking, I got to say something. I, I just can't keep running. I just got, and so as delirious as I was, I just said something really stupid like, Oh man, you guys are awesome. Like, I remember later going, that was so lame. But I'm telling you, the guy in the wheelchair looked up at me and said, thank you, sir. And I'm thinking, sir, I'm sir to you? Are you kidding me? Thank you, sir, to me? And as I kind of left him, I just, I'm like, the more I thought about it, then tears started to come down. And I'm just like wiping away these tears. And, And I remember thinking at that point. I don't care what kind of pain you feel at the end of the marathon. Uh, You're not going to feel pain. You're not going to allow yourself to feel any amount of, uh, sorry for yourself based on what you're seeing here, all these other sites, but that one in particular. And then at the end of the marathon, if you've ever been to DC and you've seen the sites, you have undoubtedly seen the Iwo Jima statue and you've seen it in pictures too. But, it sits on top of a hill, so you literally have to kind of drive up or walk up, whatever, kind of up this somewhat steep hill to see the statue. It's a magnificent sight. And when you're up there, you can see the whole lay of the land down in the valley of D.C. and all that stuff. Well, the marathon runs you up there at the at near the end. You don't end right at the statue, but a little past it. But it's literally like in the last half mile or so. When you're running up the hill toward Iwo Jima, that would be a, a, a time where people would probably start walking. You know it. If you've ever been in a marathon, how many people are starting to walk towards the end, right? Perhaps you've done it yourself. Well, here at the end, you're running up a steep hill, which normally would mean people are walking it. Not this time. Why? Because on either side of this street, there are Marines shouting at you up the hill it is deafening and they're shouting take that hill take that hill and then you hear others you're all marines today you're all marines and think about dozens and dozens of marines all shouting these things at the same time hair up on your arms i'm telling you what an emotional day and so i've always remembered that day and i always respected and admired everyone in no matter what branch of service that you've been in. But that day, it just happened to be the Marines. And then, of course, the Band of Brothers docu-series. So when I started my podcast earlier this year, And I do two types of podcasts. I do the long-form version, what I call it. They're typically 75 to 90 minutes long. It's an actual real interview podcast that I sit down with guests. They have nothing to do with what I do for a living in the financial service industry. So it's everything from psychologists to politicians to sports people, all that stuff. And then I do something called a quick hit, which generally is 10 to 15 minutes long. And these are little pieces of advice on A lot of times, financial, economic, investment-related topics. Well, when I started that earlier this year, I just knew I am going to have to get some military veterans to describe what it's like from day one in boot camp. For those of us like me, civilians, who only know it in the movies or read about it in books or watch documentaries, I need to sit down and, and have people explain it to me. What is that life like, and especially those who have seen combat and can tell me about the band of brothers. So that's what I did. I reached out to a couple of guys that I hadn't talked to in over 40 years. Two guys I went to high school with in the late seventies out at Wentzville high school. And like some people will say, well, what Wentzville high school did you go to? Others, uh, there was one, there was one. It was the only one. I think it's the Holt one now. And, um, I had lost contact as we typically do when we leave high school or college. And, um, one guy I ran across maybe about 10 years at a triathlon out in Lake St. Louis. The other guy I literally had not really seen since graduation day in 1980. So it had been 43 years. Um, but I knew through other people and certainly through Facebook in recent years, what they had chosen as a career. And, oh my gosh, did I learn so much. So I'm going to take a break here and I'm going to play a a segment of this roughly 75 minute interview that is now out on my podcast. If you want to see it, it's the one that was released a week ago. I think a week ago today, actually last Thursday. Um, And it will say military vets, Jay Humphrey and Chad West, who I went to high school with more than 40 years ago. And we talked about everything, man. Um, But the segment that I'm going to play when we come back, it's about, 10, 11 minutes long, maybe 12 minutes long, something like that. Uh, But in just that brief amount of time, uh, we really talk about a number of things, including what it's like to have a spouse sit at home while you're flying around bullets flying over your head, about PTSD, um, the woke culture that has also permeated the military. I just ask the questions. They're not afraid to answer it. Um, People who kneel when the... National Anthem is being played. They address that as well. Very fascinating stuff to hear. Um, Well, I consider two heroes of mine and fellow classmates. So we're coming up on 930. When we come back, I'll introduce you to two people I have the highest amount of respect for. And um, stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Oh, beautiful.
0: Come back, my friends. Oh, it is 9.33 here in St. Louis. And um, Dave Simon's getting a little patriotic tonight on this uh, November 2nd. By the way, don't forget, moving those clocks back this weekend. Um, I know a lot of people love this time of year. I got to be honest. Eh, it's kind of a meh to me. Uh, it's okay. It's The only reason I don't care for it that much is because I know what's right behind it. And I'm not a cold weather guy. I'm just not. So get me from all the family celebration where I love Christmas and all that stuff. Love it, love it, love it. But can we then just go straight to like spring break (laughs) if I could have my ways? All right. Back to the task at hand. I set this up with my old high school buddies, Jay Humphrey and Chad West. Now you're going to hear my voice. This is part of the podcast that I just released on the Dave Simons, Simons Says podcast. I'll give you a, a couple more details when we come out of it. Uh, but you're going to hear me uh, make a statement, ask a question, and the first person you will hear will be Jay Humphrey. Jay was a guy who was a um, Marine helicopter pilot, saw action, um, said that he lost over 20 buddies, and he did several tours over there. Uh, Chad West was known as one of the top Marine snipers. He was so good, in fact, that they created a school that where he taught. These are the two guys that both went to my high school. They became best friends, and they are also tied at the hip in a a familiar way in that Jay married Chad's sister. Yeah, I know. It's starting to get complicated. So without further ado, part of the Simon Says podcast with two military veterans, Jay Humphrey and Chad West. And for a military veteran, especially those who are taking bullets overseas, you have a wife back home. You have a family back home. Um, what's it like for them?
1: Boy, you need to bring her on to your next podcast. Mm-hmm. Kirk. Mm-hmm. She, uh, it takes a special, I think, wife and woman to be a military spouse. It really does. My mother was that same person. I saw that growing up with my dad. And uh, you know, when you when you deploy, they're they're responsible for everything. They're paying the bills, or raising the kids, making sure their clothes are laid out, and helping them with their homework. I mean, her job just now became about half half the. Responsibility, but a hundred percent of the responsibility, mm-hmm. and they have support groups out there for uh, mm-hmm. for wives that uh, he can talk a lot about that because he was knee deep in that. But and they help; they do what they can. But it really does take a, <clears throat> a woman of virtue and, and uh, faith and, uh, and courage to do what they do. And and uh, I got the pick of the litter. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, what would you add to that, Jay? Uh,
2: no, he hit it right on the head. Um, when you're gone, your significant other is in charge of everything. You know, and uh, I've seen where that didn't happen for the guys who were deployed. Uh, but if there's children, uh, normally it, it's it's a smooth thing. There's a, there's a ton of different um, options and organizations for them. They get a lot of uh, help. They get the first sergeant will be calling on them, you know, weekly, making sure everything's okay. We've had guys, you know, hey, they'll go up and and uh, get make sure the the grass is cut, you know, <clears throat> and a lot of people
0: come together for the wise because they are so busy mm-hmm. with their day-to-day stuff. And those who are the most seasoned and those who might've seen some of the highest levels of combat, this gets to the discussion of the PTSD, which is a big issue. Now you guys go zero to 60 when you get over there and you're at this level, this level, this level. And then you come back home. It's like, can you go to Home Depot and get me some things? Can you go to Walgreens? Uh, the kids need a ride and you've got to come back down to zero in a way. Do they, in, 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 whether it's boot camp or somewhere along the way, are these things, are there classes? Is there
1: education? <laughs> How do you navigate through coming back to civilian life? You learn by trying that and seeing it doesn't work and then you learn, that's learned behavior at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then you try something different. But, yeah, you're right. There's no there's no good... They do a really good job preparing you for what you're going to do in combat, but they don't do a good job about amalgamating you back into society. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we talked about. Your, you go over a uh, wire at 110. The job requires you to be wired at 220 to operate heavy machinery, and now you come back into society you know, that is built on 110 circuitry, and it's tough. And um, I think they're getting better. Uh, we, we lose, what, 20 two veterans a day to do suicide, so um, pretty soon that's going to be more than was lost in the war. Yeah, right. um, Anything we can do to help them out and maybe say an encouraging word, and Mm -hmm. I'll just take the time now if I can, Dave, if there's somebody out there listening right now who, you know, if you feel like you have no place to go and have no hope, just remember if you've got air in your lungs, you know, God's got a plan for your life, and you know, we've been there, we understand how dark it can be, but you just gotta, if you have to take a knee, say a prayer, and Take a moment, do that, but then get back up and put your kit back on and keep going. Yeah, you know, God's got a plan. You got to keep pursuing it and try to find out what it is. Are there programs that? I mean, if someone wants to find,
0: I guess there's something related to the military, Chad, that somebody can go get help, whether it's a VA place or oh, something. Absolutely,
2: yeah. absolutely. Um, and I can't, I can't tell you off the top of my head uh, since I got out, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, there we do classes on it. And there's, there's tons of,
0: uh, of things out there from the,
2: you know, to reach out uh, and get help
0: from. Mm-hmm. If you guys were king for a day and you could make the rules, what would you do on this topic to try to help those, the veterans who are back here, whether they're on drugs, they're homeless. We know that's a big one, especially from the Vietnam group. Um, what, can, what can we do as a country to alleviate some of that pain?
1: Yeah, find a way somehow. Uh, veterans are like German shepherds. They need a mission, and if you don't give them a mission, they're going to dig holes in the backyard and cause trouble. So I think, oh, I, man, I, I think well you said. sort of have to... They're mission-oriented, and they always are looking for what the purpose is in something. So when you come back out, you need we need to give them a purpose and, and, and uh, integrate them back into society in some way mm-hmm. and uh, give them something to, that makes them feel like they're um, doing something constructive again. Yep, yep.
2: There's a lot of programs. Um, one of them... This is called Red, White, and Blue, RWB.
1: Thank God you didn't go any further than that. <laughs> and, uh, I thought
0: he was going to show us his yeah. chest hairs. I would, might be impressed.
1: <laughs> Where's the music at? <laughs> yeah. um, but these, I know you're prom king and all that. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but uh, this is a great unit uh, organization, and, and their whole focus is uh, military in and out. Uh, when they when they get out of the military they they focus on keeping them mentally and physically in shape you know mm-hmm. and that and there's a ton of programs like that um was it you were just talking about honor flight the other yeah. day uh so did your dad go on that did my dad no yeah. no i think it was bob cox's dad another friend of ours yeah right his Dad was in the military and he went on an
0: honor flight to Washington, D.C. And I hear that's amazing. I've seen those guys mm-hmm. land at airports where I just coincidentally yeah. happened to be. Yeah. Wow. And everyone in the airport stands up and claps as they're right. led down. It's a pretty awesome thing. Yeah. So to me, those
2: organizations are, are huge uh, yeah. in helping our veterans, especially when they come back. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about today. And... You can go as deep as you want to go into this, but there's that word of woke. Now, people, we're not going to dig too deep into definitions. Everybody has a different definition. What is woke? But I think we all sort of know what people are getting at when they talk about that. It's just like the new way of looking at things. It's more inclusive and all this stuff. And the news has been pretty hot and heavy about the military, a lot of controversy. How does the military handle um this new woke culture. Um, So take that as a question, explore it however you want, but um, how do you see this playing out based on your own experiences of what it's to be
1: like in the proverbial foxhole with other men? Keep it PG? (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, you don't have to.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've got some pretty strong feelings on that and and to keep the politics out. I'll just say that, uh, you know... um, Chad and I were talking about this, you know, any jackass can tear down a barn and kick down a barn with a, you know, but it takes a carpenter years and years and craftsmanship, time and energy to build one. So if you really want your military to accomplish the mission and hopefully deter wars and in the absence of that to win the wars, then what you need to do is allow them to... build that phalanx that we talked about. You know, like, look at the SEALs. We don't need to be tampering with these organizations that are so dependent on their unit cohesion. And anything that we're introducing as a contaminant to that unit you know, co- cohesion that degrades from the mission should be eliminated. And anything that aggrandizes them in accomplishing that mission should be embraced. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't care personally what a person's belief system is and whether they're married to a man or a woman. That's all fine. But, you know... You, you, if, if you're if you're trying to accomplish something and that is a degradation to it why would we allow that to enter our military and it's a contaminant that needs to be yeah. looked at seriously and um, eliminated
0: I so let's be clear I think what you're saying is like you said you don't care about anything that they do privately no. but when it becomes a front and center topic yeah. where that all of a sudden becomes part of of, of someone's personality and they have
1: to make sure everybody knows it and you have to acquiesce to that, that's where the issue comes yeah, in. Yeah, it's no different than a football team that's very successful. They built a culture on that football team where no matter if your number is called to run the ball or if your number is called to make the block and you don't get the attention, it doesn't matter because it's about what's good for the team. Mm-hmm. And Bill um, Belichick has done that for years with the Patriots. He built a, a winning system that everybody had to buy into and then once he had that, it worked regardless of who came and gone, because it was the system that worked. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, we need to get back to that. Yep. Chad? Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Spot on. Uh, the only
1: thing I would add was
2: uh, I think woke or wokeism um, kind of started with an anti-Christian belief. I, I think they're trying to take that out of everything. Base Kind of like force us to take the shot, you know, and... We didn't want to, not everybody wanted to take that shot. A lot of people didn't, they were forced to. And I think that to me, wokeness actually started with uh, the anti-Christian belief. And I think it, it rolled downhill
0: from there. Well, we know that the military has not been hitting recruitment goals. That's factual. Do you think this plays into that?
2: I agree a hundred percent. You do? Yeah, it blows me away because the army's good at recruiting. Mm -hmm. I think the Marine Corps recruits itself, um, and I do think a woke, that woke
0: attitude has a lot to do with it. Well, similar vein, I don't know that there is a group that's more offended by what the NFL started with kneeling at, at during the national anthem and the flag than military vets. I think I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I have a feeling that you guys did not take too kindly to that. Yeah, I, d- I don't watch the NFL anymore. I, I, you don't I, watch the <clears throat> pro- professional football because of that?
2: I don't watch the Kneelers. Mm. I watch college football. I refuse to watch the Kneelers anymore. And and I don't know if they've changed. And if they did, it's only because of money. Uh, but no, I don't watch the Kneelers
0: anymore. If you knew for a fact that that was not happening, are you done forever or would you come back? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah,
2: yeah. I... I it really lost the appeal for me, so I tried to watch a couple games with friends because it was at their house and it was on their TV, mm. and I just uh, I just didn't really care. I just assumed yeah shoot the
0: breeze. So, so Jay, explore that a little bit. What what do you when you see that? What is the message that you are receiving that would make you upset?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I probably should be more upset about it than I really am. I, I obviously dislike it, but I look at them more in terms of they just have no clue. They've lost their capacity, their gratitude, their appreciation for things in this country. And uh, if if they truly wanted to know what it was all about and what that flag meant to the veterans, then you know they would uh, they would jump in the cockpit and fly a mission, or they would you know grab a rifle and spend some time in a fighting position and and go through those shared hardships and sacrifices. Because they haven't done that, they enjoy all the liberties and freedoms. That that flag represents for them, without any appreciation for the the sacrifice that went into giving it to them. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel I look at them with pity.
0: There you go, for folks. That uh, Jay Humphrey and Chad West, part of my podcast that released um, last week. If you'd like to um, listen or, or even watch the whole thing, it is out on YouTube, and you can just go to YouTube and put in Simon's Says podcast, and there it is, the whole seventy five minute interview. We'll be right back. <music> All right, folks, welcome back. Man, as always, these two hours, I always forget how quickly they go by once I sit in the studio here and just get into the zone and start talking. It's 9.51. I'll do the math for you. That means it's nine minutes before 10 o'clock, and then I'll sign off from here. And uh, the next scheduled time that I'm back on is uh, in about more than five weeks, I guess. That's uh, December 12th, but there's always a chance that um, I'll get called in to Uh, fill in for somebody. So I might still talk to uh, all of you sometime in November. I really do enjoy our visits that um, I get to have every couple of weeks with all of you. So this has been a little bit of a heavy at your service tonight. We've talked about some pretty serious stuff. So let me end on something a little bit more lighthearted. Well, maybe some of you might This might give you some anxiety here a little bit. That's not my intent here. But I was curious when I saw this survey that was conducted by U.S. News and World Report on our country's sleep habits. And they interviewed thousands of people, Americans, variety of things about sleep. Now, I will tell you this. I am really blessed. I am very lucky. I am a good sleeper. When my head hits the pillow, I fall right to sleep. I never have any trouble with it. As I've gotten older, however, I do have a a, a habit now that I will wake up, eh, usually somewhere between 2 and 3 o'clock, and I don't fall right back to sleep anymore. I'm probably awake for about an hour, sometimes even 90 minutes, but I will fall back asleep. But I'm still getting seven to seven and a half hours, and that's all this body needs, and I feel very refreshed. And I'm a big-time napper. I love my naps. Now, because I'm still a working man, I typically can't do the napping until the weekends, but I've got a very understanding wife who is not a napper who gives me that space on Saturday and or Sunday afternoons to go in, and all I need is about 45 minutes, man. 45 minutes to an hour, and I've got it down. But I, I'm fortunately a good sleeper. Now, according to the survey, 21% of you say they rarely or never wake up feeling well-rested. Wow. And so what they have found is the, the really bad sleep habits, and they listed five of them in order. Number one is going to bed at different times. So it is recommended by sleep experts that you really try to have a routine. You set a time and say, okay, because your body really does work in rhythms. And so to go to bed one night at 930 and then 1130 and then at midnight then 10, no, go to bed, try to at the same time every night. Number two, screen time in bed. We all know. Come on, man. Don't be getting on your laptops or your phone in your bed for 30 minutes and then try to fall asleep. Some of you can do it. But if you're having trouble falling asleep and you're doing that, maybe you put that thing down in the living room. Number three, uh, eating too much before bed. I thought that that was known. Why are we doing that? Number four, falling asleep with the TV on. You know, we do in our bedroom, we'll have the TV on. and I mean, the lights are, I actually, we both read in bed my wife and I, and so we will read in bed. We'll kind of have the TV or the news on in the, in the background. And then we'll put the, our books down, the lights go off. And maybe I'll watch a little bit more of the weather, the sports lights go off. And then, because that's our routine, it works for us. Uh, We never fall asleep with the TV on. If we did, I don't think that would actually bother either one of us, frankly. Uh, And then fifth, (laughs) I don't think anyone my age is doing this, but number five, worst sleep habits, pulling all nighters. (laughs) I'm not saying I haven't done it, but it's just well maybe been a few decades or so. That's kind of interesting. Here is one thing I want to end with though. This is this is kind of something that's funny between my wife and I. This this has just come up and when I was reading this article, I showed it to her. I started laughing. Have you heard of this? This is a new thing now. A sleep divorce. Now this is typically Relegated to people of a certain age, all right, as we get older. And one of us now is not sleeping as good as the other person, or maybe for me, waking up at two or three in the morning, like I just mentioned, and tossing and turning a little bit, or my wife having certain issues as she's gotten older, all right. I don't need to say any more than that. So, what's happening now, in fact, it says, um, where is the number here? It, oh, it's a third, 33% of people 55 and older, of married couples, say that they now spend a lot more time sleeping apart. Wow. And we've even talked about the sleep divorce. So we don't ever start out that way. And 90% of the time, neither one of us leaves the room. But now we we will. We have the side bedroom. And if somebody is bothering the other person at 3 o'clock in the morning is just making noises, snoring, tossing and turning you're gone, out of here, like an umpire, you're out. You go off, little minor sleep divorce, but more and more Americans are comfortable with that, and even starting off that way. So, hey, sleep is everything, man. We know that. Make sure that you're not pulling those all-nighters or eating heavy before bed. And turn off those dang phones before you try to fall asleep. All right, folks, that's it. I've enjoyed my time. Take it easy, have a great weekend, and set those clocks back this weekend.